Hello, friend. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Zach Holt, and this is Come to the Table. I want to thank you for listening in on WEHC 90.7 and Wise FM 90.5. Some of our most intimate conversations happen at the kitchen table. Walls crumble as space is created to know one another more deeply. Our hurt and our heartache is replaced by hope and healing when we pull up a chair, let down our guard, and simply be who we are, where we are. In our time together, we will step into the shoes of others through recovery stories of redemption, offer resources and connections for those in need, and come together as a community starving for revival in our region. So if you're hungry, you came to the right place. Man, I'm so excited to have uh, another opportunity to be here with you on Come to the Table. On today's show, we have a very special guest, a dear friend of mine, Brandon, who I've been connected with for almost three years now. So welcoming him to uh, our first interview on our second show ever. Uh, So we are just fired up about everything that is in front of us and just this opportunity to be here with you and just to share uh, his story um, of recovery, his story of redemption, his story of restoration. I just love Brandon to death. He's a leader within our recovery ministry. He's a program participant in our 117 uh, discipleship ministry that we'll share a little bit about. And he's also a community navigator for Ballad Health. So I'm excited to have him with us, and uh, he's going to share about God, what God has done in his life. He's going to share a little bit about his current role with Ballad, where he provides services to those who are now where he once was. Uh, so Brandon, welcome. Uh, glad to have you with us. Why don't you just give us your God story? Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, first off, I want to say thanks, Zach, for letting me come on to the show. Yeah, man. Uh, so my name is Brandon Filder. <clears throat> I'm from uh, Bedford, Virginia, uh, born and raised, small town, uh, had a great childhood. Um, you know, at an early age, uh, I felt like I had this sense of I didn't belong or I didn't fit in yeah. with uh, my peers. Um, but uh, so I, I guess you would say at, at the age of 11, uh, you know, that's when I first started experimenting. Um, my grandfather was an alcoholic, so I was able to steal beers from him. Um, I had older cousins that, uh, you know, they they were into partying. And uh, so I, I kind of, I guess, stuck around them sure. growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's see. I guess where I would really like to start... Um, at the age of 15, uh, I call it my love affair. Mm. Uh, hanging out with uh, some older kids, uh, I was introduced to heroin for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and in that moment, uh, I fell in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the way that I wanted to feel. Uh, it made me feel like I fit in. It made me feel powerful. Yeah. Um, at the age of 16, that's when I started a new obsession, which is uh started using it IV. Um, and if anybody out there knows, once you start IV drug use, that's uh that's a wrap. That's yeah. that's the that's the way you're gonna do uh, anything that you get your hands on. Um, so I, I was messing with uh, you know heroin, pain pills all throughout high school. Uh, drinking alcohol, having parties, um, and thought that it was, um, 
you know, this is the life. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt, like I said, again, powerful. Uh, I felt like I was accepted. Um, and um, graduated high school by the grace of my mother. Uh, she told me, uh, <laughs> she's like, you made it this far, you're not going to quit. So I was like, thank you, Mom. Thank you for that. Um, so I graduated high school. Uh, had a really good friend of mine um, all throughout high school that, uh, you know, we played music together. Um, anyways, to make a long story short with that, he uh, he ended up getting killed in a car wreck and I remember that's the moment that um, I gave up like on all my hopes all my dreams uh, I gave up on like be honest I gave up on God mm-hmm. um, yeah that was a tough time for me uh, that's when everything just started getting dark in my life uh, so the next I would say good 15 years of my life uh, was chasing a high Um, just trying to put whatever I could in my body to numb the pain Uh, and like anyone else um, the more I put in the more I need it Um, so these 15 years uh, in and out of incarceration um, couldn't hold a job couldn't hold relationships I uh, can't tell you how many tears that I caused, um, family and myself. Um, and then, in this process, God blessed me with two beautiful daughters. Um, and I remember, you know, thinking that this should be the moment that I try to straighten my life up. Yeah. But I was uh, so lost. My life had become so dark. Um, all those uh, friends that I that I thought I had um, were now gone. Mm-hmm. Um, my life had become isolation. Um, and again, like I said, I had two beautiful daughters, and you know they're growing up, and I'm missing. Now I see I was missing out. Yeah. Um, so let's fast forward to the end of uh, the end before I finally, um, my life radically changed. So I remember sitting in, in the basement of my mom's house, um, praying for every shot that I did to just take me out. And, and for some reason, mm-hmm. God just kept waking me up. Uh, I remember this tiny voice popping in my head saying you have caused so many tears and so many heart so much heartache for your mom and your family um but your baby girl's gonna come down here and find you dead yeah. and it's like the voice kept saying you know you're gonna absolutely ruin her life if she finds you dead mm-hmm. she will never be the same she will never ever have a life mm-hmm. and uh so that was the moment that for the first time, I chose to seek treatment for myself, uh, not for probation, uh, not for my mom, uh, for me. Yeah. Uh, so I traveled to a place called Galax, Galax, Virginia, the Life Center at Galax. Um, sp- stayed 46 days there. Took it serious, uh, even though there was a lot of bad things going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
after that, um, I knew that was the, you know, just scratching the wound open. Uh, I knew I was going to need some more treatment. Um, so there was a place called Bristol Lifestyle Recovery. Uh, it just opened. I think it was 20 guys there at this time, man. Yeah. Um, and went there, didn't know where I was going, uh, didn't know a soul, which was, uh, at, you know, now looking back was what I needed. Um, so I think it was the first week, maybe the second week I was there, uh, I met this individual. Um, and uh, the way he carried himself, uh, I'd never met anyone like him. Uh, he was genuine. He had humility. Um, he just showed the love of Christ. And, uh, you know, at first I, I remember thinking, I was like, this dude is uh, full of crap. There's just, he's out to get something because that's just a, that's just the people I'm used to, you know, uh, and come to find out he was genuine. Um, his name was Zach Holt, <laughs> but, uh, he sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> but no, uh, seriously, man. Um, <clears throat> you took the time to, uh, you know, take me underneath your wing and, uh, dude, I love you for that. Um, you know, you've, you not only taught me, um, you know, step work, um, you've showed me how to build a relationship with Christ. Uh, you've showed me how to get my life back, dude. And, uh, I thank you for that, man. Um, you know, graduating from BLR, uh, you know, things were going good. <clears throat> so we started what, one, what well, you started 117. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had a rocky start in my recovery. Uh, I bumped my head a few times. Um, so uh, I made my way back to Roanoke uh, after a relapse. And, um, you know, I remember when I got back there. Well, let me say this. It was uh, the shame and guilt that, mm -hmm. that uh, sent me back to Roanoke in Bedford. Mm. But I remember when I got there, uh, you know, I kept thinking... Like, I'd seen how good life could be sober. Yeah. I'd seen how good life could be, uh, you know, doing God's work, man. Mm. Um, and then here I am sitting back in this darkness and this, uh, this misery. Mm. And I remember about each week I would get a text saying, Hey, man, if you need me, I'll come get you. If you need me, you know, holler at me. Um, and finally, man, that clicked. Uh, I missed it. Mm. I'd made a family in Bristol. Uh, and I just missed how good life was. So uh, I made the decision again to uh, pack all my bags. And uh, I took off running back to Bristol. And uh, I've never looked back. Um <laughs> So in this process, I went back through BLR, uh, graduated, went back to 117. Um, now I'm in the second half of it. Uh, I've got a year of sobriety. And uh, dude, God has blessed me with not only a career working with people that are in addiction that's incarcerated exactly where I was mm -hmm. trying to trying to be a light and shine hope to him um, he has 
built relationships back with family that I never thought I would have. Uh, the relationships with my daughters, well, my my youngest daughter. Uh, you know, she she looks at me now like I'm a superhero, <laughs> which is amazing. That's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. All the parents out there, y'all know this. That's that's the best feeling in the world when your child looks up to you like you're like you're the the rock star or a superhero. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, man, that's that's where I'm at today. You know, uh, life is good, and uh, just trying to be a light for anyone I meet. You are, man. You are. Dude, that's awesome, awesome, awesome. I thank you for being vulnerable and, and just being who you are, man. I, I love you to death, bro. Um, we'll take a pause and uh, let you know that you are listening to Come to the Table on WEHC 90.7 and Wise FM 90.5. We are so glad that you are here with us. Uh, wherever you are, I just hope that this time uh, is a blessing to you, is encouragement to you. Uh, so Brandon, a couple of questions here that, uh, just kind of want to walk through together just sort of get your take on it. Uh, there's a guy named, uh, Johan Hari. Uh, and, uh, anyway, he says, uh, <laughs> the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It is human connection. Um, so you shared a little bit in your story about the role of community in recovery. Um, we talk a lot about going from me into we, um, how has community shaped you and kind of like, what are some of the reasons that you think we need community in our recovery journey? So, uh, like when I was in addiction, man, like I felt, you know, like the outcast, I, I felt, you know, if people seen me, uh, they definitely didn't want me around. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the opposite side like community now means everything to me uh the group of guys that are in 117 are family they're my brothers uh the people that i i help with um at the table just uh you know i try to show them love uh something that wasn't shown to me when i was out there um i think that's what the world needs um people that are out there in addiction you know they just they're lost um and i feel like if we all showed them like we care or um Mm -hmm. that you know there is love and and help for them um i think it would make a world of difference Mm -hmm. uh in their lives Mm -hmm. i think I know, I know it would. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. And I think that's a, a big hope for this program uh, is that we would be able to kind of create community in Southwest Virginia, be able to connect with people who feel, like you said, you know, who feel cast out, left out, forsaken, forgotten, who feel isolated, alone, afraid, lost, and that they would know that, like, Look, there's love out there. Right. You know, it's been said before that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Absolutely. Um, and I think people need to know that people care. Um, right. That there is this population who feels invisible. Uh, they feel overlooked. They feel forgotten. 
Um, and so that's what we, when we talk about hungry for revival in the region, it's a revival of love. Um, it's a revival of recovery. It's a revival of people stepping into the fullness of God for their lives. Um, and so it's amazing how that community can be so formative. And, um, you know, we hear story after story of how people have tried to get sober, uh, on their own in isolation and right. how ineffective that is. Um, and, uh, but I love that quote that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's human connection. And I think to know the, the, that we are, we, that we are connected, that we are one. Um, so throughout your journey, um, you mentioned a, kind of a, a couple of bumps in the road. Um, what would you say has been the greatest lesson that you've learned in recovery? Greatest lesson. Hmm. Greatest lesson is, uh, you know, at the beginning, um, I still had this mindset of, you know, um, I guess I could I could still kind of do this on my own, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't have to be completely open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the hardest part was to learn that, you know, I need to get all the stuff out, yeah. uh, the inner stuff. It's uh, it's like the trash can mm-hmm. thing that you described to me. You know, where uh, you take the trash out, but there's still that that slime that's in the bottom. <laughs> you know, I had to to get that slime out. Um, and another thing, we're only as you know sick as the secrets we keep, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the greatest lesson was that, uh, you know, building a community and, uh, you know, working with someone that I knew that loved me mm-hmm. and would not judge me mm-hmm. and being completely open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's okay to be open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where healing happens. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's one of the greatest. Absolutely. Thing, you know? Yeah. You know, and it's like sometimes when, when we're in addiction, it's like we build walls around ourselves. Um, like there's a, there's a sense in which we think everybody's left us and abandoned us, but there's also a sense that like we have entombed ourselves. Like we've built our own prison brick by brick. Right. Um, and how, when we, flip that switch and we're willing to take our mask off and it's like that posture of vulnerability causes those walls to crumble and it's like the truth of the gospel begins to penetrate that veil of darkness that we're like shrouded in um we talk a lot in our community about the move from recreation into recreation how for so much of our lives we live for recreation. We did whatever we wanted, uh, whenever we wanted, that it was all about us and it was all about having fun. But that move from recreation into recreation, they're spelled the same. The only difference is a hyphen, but that hyphen makes all the difference because when we break away from that desire for just recreation, I just want to have fun all the time. It's all about me. Life is a party, no matter what the consequences to a posture of recreation that look, not only am I being made new, but I get to facilitate and participate in the new making of God in my community, like that recreation. And so how has, because your, your role with Ballad, tell us a little bit more about that 
and maybe how you see kind of that as joining in with recreation. So yeah, speak to that, to, to recreation in your job, um, in you know your leadership in 117 discipleship, um, at the table. How do you see recreation at work in your life? Little ways, big ways, what do you think? So if you would have told me <clears throat> a year ago that I would be doing the things that I'm doing right now or working with people that um, are in addiction or being able to go into a jail and uh, work with people <laughs> and be able to leave on my own, uh, I would tell you that you were crazy, um, that I would never step foot in a jail again. You know, but uh, So I work for Ballot Health as a community health navigator. Um, so we work with people that are on this, you know, incarcerated. They write us on the smart jail mail system. Uh, we find them programs uh, or transitional housing or the whole nine yards, clothing, food, uh, all of it um, to help set them up for success. Mm-hmm. Um, programs so they don't have to you know, set in jail or prison for a year over a possession charge yeah. um, when that's not really helping somebody. Um, it's just prolonging it, really. So we just try to, anything to set someone up for success. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, working for Ballad is, uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. It keeps, it keeps it fresh for me every day. It's good. Uh, it's a constant reminder of where I was and where God has brought me mm-hmm. um, and how easily I could go back in mm-hmm. one wrong decision. Uh, mm-hmm. 117, dude, it's an amazing group of guys there. Uh, what God is doing in each one of the guys is amazing to watch them come in, um, not knowing uh direction or um or having having you know the little littlest bit of hope in them and then just in a matter of months how god moves in their life and they've got uh you know a car to a career themselves or just mm-hmm. how they're on fire for the lord and um coming to you trying to start new groups mm-hmm. or you know praying for others it's just it's amazing mm-hmm. uh the table Dude, I, I love the ministry. It has definitely been the game, one of the game changers in my life. Um, the table, you know, you come to us. We have all walks of life. Um, and the moment you walk in that door, you're family. Uh, we make you feel like family. Um, and that's how I, I felt when I first started coming, you know, uh, it was the first time I'd ever been to, I'd say, a church where I felt accepted. Mm. So in return, that's mm. you know mm. how I try to treat people too. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, and I think on that note, I think one of our kind of our principles in our culture is that we want you to feel like you belong even before you believe. Right. Um, and so we encounter people that are at different seasons and spaces of faith and different walks and, uh, and all that's fine and beautiful. But our hope is that we're able to uh, create an inclusive space for people to feel belonging, uh, acceptance, significance, and security. Those three things we talked about in our last episode that are so vital to uh, not just recovery, but to just like personal value 
and like flourishing. Right. And so being able to kind of help create that for people, um, you know, because the reality is that the, the two by four, uh, of God, it, it talks about his kindness will lead them to life change. Um, and so it's, it's the kindness that we pour out for others. That is just a catalyst, uh, for change. And I just, I love watching how you move in, in different spaces and, uh, with us at the, at the nursing home on Wednesday mornings, uh, just getting to, getting to love on those ladies there at, uh, Bristol rehab and memory care. Uh, that we've just grown so fond of getting to hear their stories. Love those ladies, it's man. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. There's that lady, uh, um, Betty, who's like 102, and she can still tell you like the color dress that she was wearing uh, when she came down the altar when she was 14 years old. It's like 88 years of living this stuff. And she gets out. around and, better than we do, oh man. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, man, as we kind of uh, kind of move towards uh, kind of the end of our, our time here today, man, it's amazing how fast uh, 30 minutes will, will go by. Um, but I wanted to ask this because I, I feel like it's really, really important for folks to hear because I think recovery is about so much more than just stopping using. Yeah. So um, what are some of the reasons that you choose not to use anymore? Um, dude. My daughter, like I said earlier, the way she, let me, let me just put it this way. It used to be that I would try to hug her and she'd push me away. Now she runs and hugs me and I'm trying to push her off of me. That's number one. That's a good one. Dude, <laughs> uh, man, the relationship I have with the Lord today, uh, the peace, the peace that I have in my life, dude, I wouldn't trade it for anything, anything. Um, the relationships that I've made and rekindled with my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, uh, dude, that's what, that's what, and, and let me add this, it, and now working with people, like how you say, you know, if you want to keep it, you have to give it away, dude, so the, the moment that I see that, that spark in someone's eyes, when they're like, I, if he, I can do this, you know, yeah. if, if, if he can do this, I can do this. So it's like, man, that makes it worthwhile, dude, just to, to, just to walk beside someone and, and help them see that there is, there is hope. You can change, you know, um, you can get out of it. Mm. Truly. If I can get out, if I can change my life, anyone out there can. Mm. That's so good, dude. Well, the last uh, last question um, for today: What would you What would you say if you had sixty seconds, which is about as long as you have? Right. If you had sixty seconds, uh, what would you say to the person who is still in the thick of it, still still lost, still battling addiction actively? What would you say to them? Reach out. Uh, Life is so much better, man. That peace, I'm telling you, that peace is where it's at. Um, and you're not lost. You can, there is help. Um, come to us. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll walk beside you. Um, just, I'm just telling you, life is so good. So good today. It's awesome, man. Awesome. Hope is definitely out there. Well, we want to thank you, everybody, 
for joining us on this episode of Come to the Table. Brandon, thank you for being here with us. Yeah, again. man. Thank you. Yeah. So we hope that it's either been an encouragement to your recovery or created in you a curiosity about what it means to live into a radical new mindset of selfless service to others. If you'd like to know more about our ministry or for coaching on how you can more faithfully walk with others in their time of need, we would love to connect with you and pour into you. If you're interested in recovery resources or creating intentional spaces for spiritual growth, you can reach out to us at thetablebristol117 at gmail.com or www.thetableministries.com. You don't have to walk this road alone, friends. Hope, redemption, beauty from ashes, light from dark. These things are all closer than you know. In closing, I just want to say this. Grace and peace to you, my friend. We'll see you next time.